Without any further ado, I want to, I get to be the one to announce this blessed man of God. I want to tell you, he's like my brother. He's like, we just have a bond, don't we? I got a bond with, with you guys so, so easy. It's like I was in the whole family of God with this, with this church body. And I'd like to just bring him up now. It's uh, Reverend Stephen Hall. Come on up. Amen. He's from Greater Mount Carmel Baptist Church. God bless you. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. And one more time for the for the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. Amen. Amen. Didn't say what house we was going into. All he said was we need an invitation to get into the house. Amen. Amen. So whether it's at Greater Mount Carmel or whether it's here, Lighthouse Fellowship, I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but somebody said we need to open up the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. And I don't know about you, but I don't know what you stand in the need of, but if you're like me, I need God to open up his floodgates and let his blessings rain down on me and my Amen. life. Amen. Amen. So if you don't mind, let me say this. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, oh, let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain. I don't know about you, but I need God to do something today here. At Lighthouse Fellowship. God has put something in my spirit. And whatever God puts in my spirit, I have to do what God tells me to do. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So if you don't mind with me today, pray with me. Preach with me, if you will. Um, because I definitely need each and every one of you to pray with me. Amen? Amen. While I'm on this tedious journey. Amen? First, I want to give an honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Pastor Barcliffe in his absence today, to my pastor, Pastor Guillory. He sends his wishes as well to us. We had a service today, so the service kind of conflicts. Our service started at 11 o'clock over there, so he couldn't be here today, but he definitely sends his wishes to everyone, um, his greetings to everyone as well. Um, so I did um, do have a couple of members at our church that, that have made the trip with uh, us today. If you don't mind, I would like for them to stand at this time. Amen. Some of our members from Greater Mount Common that came, thank you so much. Bless y'all. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. I have my, my wife back there in the back. My rock, on the other hand, my, my youngest son back there in, in the back. Bob says, he who finds himself a wife findeth a, a good thing. Not just a thing, but a good thing. And she's definitely a better half of me, so I, I love her to death, amen. So I, I brought my youngest son back there, Caden, um, with me as well today. And then I'm expecting my oldest son to come as well, amen. I won't hold you long today, but if you have your word, would you stand and turn with me to to the gospel according to St. Luke. All right. Good one, Doc. The 14th chapter. Some of you have found this as a familiar passage. The gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. And we're going to start reading at the 25th verse. If you have it, say amen. If you need me to wait just a little while longer, I will. And this is what it reads. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to him, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children 
his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays down the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Amen. Amen. And then if you will, just turn back to the, the book of Mark, the 10th chapter. And I can read in this, read verse 29 and 30. And this is what it says. It says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel's sake and will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, fields, and with them persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But Mary, but many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If I could today, I want to preach from this subject. I won't be long. Preach from this subject. The reward is worth the cost. Amen. The reward is worth the cost. Church, I've come to realize that almost everything in life comes at a cost. Very seldom will you, will you find anything in this life that is free. Amen. I think most of us that would agree with that, that it may cost a little bit less than some things or it may cost a little bit more than other things. But almost everything in life comes at a cost. Amen. It was instilled in me at a very early age that if you want something in life, you're going to have to do something to get it. Amen. Right. If you want something in life, I was told that you had to work hard in order to have it. Amen. I was taught that nothing was going to be just handed down to me. You have to go out and get what you want. It also says that if anything in this life is worth having, then it's also worth working for. Amen. Which means that everything in this life comes with a cost. Amen. But I got good news for you today that while it does come with a cost, this cost of discipleship, there are many rewards to being a disciple of the Lord. Amen. When we look at this thing, do I, I pondered over this just a little bit because although most things come at a cost, there are some things in life that are considered as priceless, which means that you just cannot put a price tag on it. It means it's so valuable to me, that they, to you or to me, that money or nothing else can ever be laid on top of it. Amen? Some of them things may be, uh, let's see, the birth of your child. I consider that to be priceless. Uh, let's see, your child's first words. I think those things are are priceless. Uh-huh. Your child's first steps, those things are considered to be priceless. Let's see, major accomplishments in your children's life, whether they graduate from high school or college, those things tend to be priceless, amen? Maybe it's a family heirloom that's been handed down from generation to generation. Those things are considered to be priceless, oh amen? Well, maybe, maybe it's a family's keepsake that's been handed down, has been in the family from a long time. Those things are considered priceless. And one other thing I would like to drop on your mind today, Lighthouse, is that God's love for you and I is priceless, which means you just cannot put a price tag on what God has done for you and I. Amen. Mm-hmm. For somebody said it earlier, for while we were yet sinners, Christ did something for us all that we can never repay him back, which he gave his life, which is priceless. Amen. But when you look at this particular passage here on today, we see where Jesus is being followed by a multitude of crowd and it was been well documented and well told that wherever Jesus went, 
the crowds were sure to follow. Amen. Amen. Now they followed Jesus for all type of reasons. Um, church, let's see. Some followed Jesus because they wanted to see what miracle he would do next. What was going to be the next big thing that Jesus would do? Amen. Some of them followed just because they were curious. Y'all know some nosy folk. They they followed because they were nosy. Amen. Some of them followed just because they saw everybody else doing it. So they joined in and they became part of what we call the in crowd. Y'all know those folks, don't you? Just tag along, just get on somebody else's agenda, and just tag along just because. And then there were some who followed Jesus because they had a deep desire to have a closer walk with Jesus. Amen. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about anybody in here today, but I'm so glad that I have a deep desire in my heart to have a closer walk with Jesus. Amen. Because I know if I have a closer walk with Jesus, say closer talk with Jesus, I know just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. Amen. Just want to hang my head here just for a minute. Now, while there are many leaders who have been happy to have people to follow after them, not Jesus. Jesus wanted to cipher through some things. You see, Jesus understood that some people, they followed him were not actually there for the right reasons. So Jesus wanted to cipher through the pretenders. In other words, if I were to speak on today's society, Jesus wanted to cipher through the fakers and the shakers and get down to the people who had an honest heart to follow after him. Amen? Amen. And I want us to be careful today, church, that we can't get wrapped up with our popularity. While Jesus did have a well-interested popularity and people followed him, Jesus was not concerned about the popularity. Jesus was more concerned about the prosperity, amen? And we have to be very careful, church leaders, and we have to be very careful. We don't need to be so caught up with who's following us on Twitter. But yes, we need to be concerned about more about who's trusting in God. We don't need to be concerned about who's following us on Instagram. We don't need to be more concerned about people following us on Facebook. We need to be more concerned about people putting their face in the book. We don't need to be concerned about people that are following us on YouTube. We don't need to be worried about whether we've been following, being live streaming. We need to be more concerned about the lives that's being saved. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus was more concerned about. So it was important for Jesus to get through those who did not really want to be there. So he went around preaching and urging that you count the cost of Christian discipleship, amen? Because it comes with a cost, amen? Jesus was not concerned about the numbers. It could have been a one or 1,000 for Jesus, and it wouldn't have mattered. His message would have still been the same. Like here today, it does not matter whether the church is full. My message is still going to be the same, amen? Because Jesus only was concerned about the one. If he can reach the one, that's all he was concerned about, amen? So he was not concerned about the numbers. And church, I like to tell you this, Jesus is not concerned about the how many. Jesus is concerned about the hearts of the many, amen? That's what Jesus was concerned about. In fact, Jesus said this, he said that I'm going to choose David. I'm going to give David to you, a man after my own heart, because David would do exactly what I want him to do, amen? And the question is, is does Jesus have any disciples in here that's willing to do whatever he needs them to do? Right. Amen. The first point I want to bring out to you when you look at this Christian discipleship, you had to ask yourself some questions. I want you to think about this. When you're thinking about this Christian discipleship, the first point I would like to bring out is that you have to have a radical relationship with God. Amen. The Bible says in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world. He didn't just love you. He didn't just love me. The Bible said he so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I don't know if there's anything more radical than anybody willing to give up their only son. Amen. If we were to take a poll in here today and if I were to ask anybody, would you be willing to give up your only child for the sake of the world? I guarantee you nobody's hand would go up because that is the kind of love that Jesus said we must have. He said we must have this radical relationship with him that supersedes the relationship of our family members. When I started this ministry a few years ago, my wife and I, she would tell you, I, I love my wife and I love spending time with my kids. There's nothing more that I enjoy doing more other than being in, in prayer, supplication with my Lord and spending time with my family. But as I began to get more radical, y'all do know what radical means, that as I began to get more extreme and as I began to get more in depth into the word, some things started to separate just a little bit, Reverend Simmons. My relationship with my wife started to change just a little bit because she had to see me from a different perspective. I wasn't the same husband that was there 24-7 once I got home from work. She understood that I had to go do some things uh -huh. that the normal man just wouldn't do. She understood that my ministry extended far beyond the four walls of the house and, and watching TV on a, on a late Saturday night. She understood my ministry extended far beyond the four walls of the house, and every now and again I had to go out into the hospital. She understood that my ministry extended far beyond the four walls of the house, and every now and again I had to go up and down the highways and byways preaching and teaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ. She understood that. Right. Does not mean that I hate her. The Bible does not tell us to hate your loved ones. Now, I don't want y'all to leave out here today saying that Reverend stood up there and told us that I can go home and love my wife and my children less. I ain't say that. Don't y'all go home and say that. <laughs> Brothers, don't you go home and say that. Have your wife going upside your head. Don't do that. What I'm saying is your love for Christ has to supersede anything else in your life. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Then we ask say, well, why was that relationship and his love so radical? Because Jesus gave not only his only begotten son, that, but Jesus also gave his son up, knowing that his son was going to have to die. And here's the other thing that's about it. Not only did he give him up in knowing that he had to die in order for us to come back and to have a great relationship with him, he knew he was going to have to give him up and he had to die, and still people would not believe. Now, if that ain't radical love, I don't know what it is. Amen. He did that just for you and I. But then it's a good question. You said, well, preacher, tell me how am I supposed to love? I'm glad you asked. If you were to journey back into the book of Matthew, Jesus was questioned by some Pharisees. The Bible says that when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, it said that the Pharisees decided to come together. They got together. They congregated up against Jesus and they wanted to test Jesus and one of them asked Jesus a question. He said, well, teacher, which one is the greatest of the law? And Jesus replied simply as this, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Amen. And then he says, it goes on to say the second greatest commandment of this. He said that you ought to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at that term love, people have a tendency to get it mixed up. Sometimes people want to love like a human being, and there's nothing wrong with human in love, but the human in love has, has a tendency, y'all. A human love can be fickle sometimes. Uh -huh. Y'all know what fickle means, don't you? Fickle means that it frequently changes. When you have fickle, when you're a fickle person, it means that your loyalties and your interests and your attention will change from time to time. When you're fickle, it means you change just like the weather. One minute you're hot, the next minute you're cold. One minute it's like Houston, it's sunny outside, and the next minute, we're going through a tropical storm because that is fickle love, those, those fickle folk. 
Y'all have to understand this. Fickle folks will love you when everything is going right in their life. Fickle folk will love you when you're telling them everything that they want to hear. Fickle folk will love you as long as you're doing whatever they want you to do. Fickle folks will love you as long as you're spoiling them and giving them everything they want. But all just wait until trouble comes up and interrupts that fickle person's kind of love. That same person that loved you on the day will turn around and talk about you on tomorrow. Amen. That's fickle. And God says, we don't want no fickle kind of lovers in this relationship. Yet God says we need to have an agape kind of love. That kind of love that extends from heart to heart. Amen. That kind of love that says, whether you love me or not, I still have an obligation to love you. That's a radical relationship. That's a radical love. Jesus wants us to understand that whether you, whether he ever blesses you or not, you still have to love him. Whether he ever heals you of your infirmities, it's important that you still love him. Whether he ever repairs what's going on inside your relationships at your house, he want to know will you still love him. That's the kind of relationship that God wants you and I to have with him. Amen. That's the kind of relationship that as disciples we have to have for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I read something interesting this, this past week about love. And it was short and it was sweet. And then I turned around and I sent it to my wife. We had this thing, me and my wife. Y'all gonna let y'all in on a little secret. We, we've been married 20, 27 years. We just celebrated 27 years, August 28th. And, and, and every, every day almost at work, we try to send each other love notes, y'all. We try to keep it, try to keep our love fresh, Deacon Russell. We send each other love right. notes. So not only do we send love notes, I send her some encouraging things, and she'll send me encouraging things as well, especially when you know, excuse me, people have tendencies to have bad days, amen? But I came across this saying the other day, and it says that love, love is a journey. It's simple. Love is a journey. It starts at forever and ends never. I'm going to say it one more time. Love is a journey. It starts with forever and ends at never. And that's the kind of love that God says that we have to have for him. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have for each other, that we love each other no matter what. I tell people all the time, it's easy to love somebody that you know going to love you back. But how are you going to love that person when you know they don't care nothing about you? That's the kind of love that Christ has charged you and I up for today. He wants you and I to have that kind of love for each other. Amen. And then Jesus goes on and says that you got to have a suffering mentality. You got to have a suffering mentality because he says that no man who's not willing to pick up his cross and, and bear his own burden, that man can't, he can't follow me. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you got to understand that whenever you come into a relationship with Christ, I ain't talking about just, I ain't, I'm not talking about an on again, an off again relationship. I'm talking about whenever you come into a true relationship with Christ, you got to understand that something's bound to happen in your life. Let me tell you, people are not going to treat you the same. The same people that you used to hang around with ain't going to feel comfortable with hanging around with you when you fall in love with Jesus. Right? Amen? Amen? Anybody ever had that experience that happened to when you to stand up and say, I'm going to have this radical love and this radical relationship with Christ, and for God I live and for God I'm surely going to die, people begin to fall off by the wayside. Amen? Amen. Everybody can't stand with it. So you got to understand that in this life you're going to face those reproaching. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face moments of, of loneliness and you're going to be, be faced with these moments where friends and families will turn and separate from you. But that's okay. You got to be able to have a suffering mentality. Amen. Jesus goes on and tells his disciples in Matthew 16 and 24, he tells them, he says this, that if anyone were to come after me, he said he has to deny 
himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And he says that whosoever does not want to pick up his cross and follow after me cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Listen, in other words, you got to be willing to make some sacrifices. I tell people all the time, denying yourself is one of the hardest things in the world. I can deny somebody else. You don't believe me? Let me let me give you an example. A couple of months ago, my youngest boy back there, my wife would tell you, he came to us and said he wanted an allowance. He needed an allowance. He needed, he needed an upgrade in his allowance. He needed to be paid more for his allowance. The answer was quick, and it was simple. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Denied. I can deny people easily. Tell the marker to call me before they can even get it out of their mouth. No, thank you. Click. It's, it's easy. My wife comes to me and she says, I want those new pair of shoes over at the mall. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I can, I, it's, it is easy for me to deny somebody else. All right, all right. But when it comes down to denying yourself, that's what we got a problem at. And it can be the simplest things too. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm gonna put myself out there in the spotlight. My vice, my kryptonite is Mountain Dew. If you, if you throw a Mountain Dew out there in a the, the foyer out there, I'm probably run down to this choir stand and go at it. That's my kryptonite. That's my vice. Uh, I'm being honest with you. If you tell me, I tell my wife, sweetheart, you're on your way back here picking up a Mountain Dew. She said, baby, you don't need that. And you, you would think I started World War III up in there with her because she denied me that Mountain Dew. I want that Mountain Dew. And then when I go to myself in the morning time, when I want that Mountain Dew, I say, self, you don't need that. Here's all the positives and here's all the negatives. The only positive that you have in there is that Hmm. There ain't no positive. Now, here's all the negatives. You got diabetes, you got sugar, look at the grams of fat in that soda. It is not good for you. But I have the biggest struggle turning down that Mountain Dew soda than anything in the world. You would think it was I was facing an internal tug of war, just trying to deny myself a simple Mountain Dew. Amen? But Christ said that in order to follow him the way we need to follow him, you have to be willing to deny yourself and do something else. You got to be be willing to understand that this that this journey isn't just about you. This journey is about more than just you. You got to be willing to be selfless and let Jesus become the center of attention. In other words, you got to be willing to humble yourself that Jesus can exalt you in due time. Amen. Because it's a hard fall coming down. If you go out there and, and, and exalt yourself, that fall from grace is a lot harder than it is going up. Amen. So that's why we have to be careful and deny ourselves of some things, even when we don't want to. Amen. So Jesus taught these things. Now, remember when my oldest boy played football at Clear Springs High School, shout out to the Chargers. They had this acronym. It was I-N-A-M. And it simply said, it's not about me. And that's what I, I stopped by to tell you today, that this is not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you. It's not about you. If you thought this was your time to shine, then I, start, I come to stop by and tell you that it's not about you. It's bigger than you. This is about something that's bigger than you. Amen? And then the third point I would like to bring out that if you want to be a true disciple of Christ, you have to have a Christ-effective blueprint. Somebody like to say cost-effective. I like to say it is Christ-effective blueprint. Because Jesus goes on to give an illustration in here, and he emphasizes the necessity of sitting down and counting the costs if you really want to be a follower of his. Amen? I, I remember, you know, about, about seven months ago, my wife and I had to sit down and, 
plan a family vacation and we start counting up, you know, where we wanted to go, um, how long we wanted to stay there, how much money we wanted to spend while we were there. And as we kept talking, that budget seemed to expand. And I sat down and I had to ask myself a question. Have I really considered the cost of what this vacation's about to cost us? Because there's always those hidden things that the wife leaves out that, you know, you don't throw shopping in there until at the end, Reverend Simmons. But there's always that hidden other cost that seems to pop up in there. But as I sit down, I, start, I thought about this thing and as it pertains to this gospel that you got to really sit down and count this cost. And Jesus gives this illustration. He says that if a man sets out to build a tower, does he not first count the cost? Does he first not look at his budget? Does he first not consider whether he has enough money to complete the project before he starts? He says, because once he lays down the foundation and the work must stop, then those people who are sitting back looking at him will begin to ridicule and mock him, saying that this man could not finish what he started. Amen? And the Bible teaches us that a man that puts his hand to the plow and then looking back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. So you got to be sure about this thing called discipleship. Right, right. If you want to be a true follower of Christ, now if you want to be uh, on the low follower of Christ, then you can do that. But I'm talking about if you want to be a person that stands up for Christ and don't mind going out and telling this dying world what said the Lord Almighty, then you got to consider the cost. Amen? Amen? Look at it. Consider the cost. And brothers and sisters, I'd like to offer up a friendly challenge to you today. I think some of us need to go back and look at our personal blueprint and see how our blueprint is stacking up to what God expects of us. Amen? Now, if you look at that personal blueprint and if you're on course and if you're on track and you feel really good about where you are in your project, then that's fine. But if you're like me and you know when you know what you know, there's some other things that I need God to shake up in my life. There's some things I need him to modify in my personal walk with him. Then that's OK, too, because you're in the right place. Amen. Because I know a Galilean man. I know a great carpenter. I know a potter who's able to take you and shape you and mold you into what he needs you to be. Amen. All he needs is a willing participant. He says to me, Stephen, I don't need you to save the life. All I need you to do is plant the seed. When you plant the seed, I'll water the seed. And when I water the seed, I will bring the increase. Amen. Amen. So we got to make sure that we are counting up the cost. Amen. And then when I look at this true discipleship, I like to tell people, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. God is not through with you yet. Be patient. I know I'm not all that I need to be right now, but sweetheart, be patient. Be patient. God is not through with me yet. The songwriter said, but when God gets through with me, says I shall come forth as pure gold. As God continues to put me into the fire and as he begins to burn off all those things that shouldn't be there, all the impurities, as he continues to take me out and look at me and says there's still some stuff left on me, stick me back into the fire again and continue to turn the heat up on me to burn off those things. One day he'll look back and say, hmm, that's good. Amen. Because that's what he did when he created the world. He stopped to sit down on the sixth day and said everything looked good. Amen. And God wants to do the same thing for us. Amen. As I come to my close, I told you about the cost of discipleship. Oh, my goodness. But there are some rewards. I'm so glad that the story doesn't just end with your hard work. 
I'm so glad that he didn't stop right there. I'm so glad that he took us to the other part of the scripture and said, there is a reward for your discipleship. Amen. He said, there are some rewards. There is no man who has left his wife, his children, sister, brother, who's given up his lands, who's given up things, not for the sake of the gospel, not, not for him and for him to leave them there. He says he's going to repay them 100 fold. Am I talking to anybody in here who's ready to be paid back 100 fold? He said he'll do it in this life and in the eternal life to come as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I serve a God that whenever I do his work, I don't have to worry about some things. I don't have to worry about abundant living because he's already given it to me. I don't have to worry about God's presence because he's always right there with me. He said he will walk with me every step of the way. He said you don't never have to worry. You will never be alone. He says, in fact, when you can't walk yourself, that's when I carry you yes, through. Sir. Yes, sir. I don't have to worry about those things. He says that you don't have to worry because he's always right there with you. Come here, Joshua. Did he tell you, do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. He said, for your God, I will be there with you. I will be there with you. So you don't have to worry about those things. And then he promised us some heavenly benefits that I'm so glad about. Amen. All right. He says that in my father's house, he said, there are many mansions. He said, if you believe in God, believe also on me. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. He says that I'm going to prepare a place that where I'm going, there you may be also. And I'm so glad one of these old days, I'm going to have to leave from that old 2522 Kildare Street over in League City, Texas. And I'm going to have to take up a new residence up in a mansion that's made up in heaven that's set aside just for me. I may not look like much right now, Lighthouse Fellowship. I may not sound like much right now. I may not be able to sing like an angel, but there's one thing I do know. One glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. I'm going to a place where joy should never end. I'll fly away. That is the reward for being a disciple. Yes, there is a cost, but thank God that there is a reward. Amen. Paul said it like this as I prepare to go, go to my seat. Paul said, yet indeed, I have counted the cost. I have counted it all lost. In other words, he said, for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus. In other words, silver and gold I may not have. You understand? Silver and gold I may not have. But what I do have, such as this, I'll give it to you. And that is the word. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. Is my desire. Amen. Amen. Listen.